Welcome to the Six Figure Product Biz Podcast. I'm Carrie, a product-based business coach. I started, scaled, and sold a successful multi-six-figure e-commerce business, and now I love teaching entrepreneurs like you how to start, grow, and scale your dream product business. I'm obsessed with all things marketing, e-commerce, and business, and I cannot wait to share all my secrets with you. I also love all things dogs and coffee. Each week, you'll learn step-by-step tangible strategies to help you scale to the next level in your business, skyrocket your sales and traffic, reach more customers, and gain greater visibility in your business. Because I know you don't want to waste your time or energy trying to figure it out all on your own, but you want the business growth roadmap so you can create a profitable product business that gives you the life you love. Whether you're thinking of starting a product biz or scaling yours, this podcast is the secret sauce to making all those dreams come true. So grab your coffee and your favorite notepad and let's get started. Welcome to episode 108 of the Six Figure Product Business Podcast. Today's episode, a super fun one, and I have a very special guest who is another fellow expert and educator in the product business world. Michelle Craig is the um, owner, founder of MC Design Collaboration and host of the Retail Whore podcast. So she has a lot of experience, 40 years working in the retail industry. Um, Her first job was working at Wet Seal, which was one of those shops that used to be at the malls. And she learned, you know, how to kind of get things on display and things like that, which is so cool. Um, During her career, she has owned three stores at Fred Siegel in Santa Monica. She has worked um, with anthropology and all of these different roles really helped cultivate her business and really help her develop her eye for aesthetic and all the different like intricacies that come into having a good retail store. So I am super excited about this episode. Everything that we talk about um, in terms of retail stores can be completely applied to your business, whether it's talking about your website and how to navigate your own website and, you know, visual merchandising can completely be manipulated for your website, you know, how products are, are laid out and how, you know, the flow of your website is. So I am excited about today's episode. So Grab your coffee, grab a big glass of wine, because this is going to be an amazing episode. Hello, Michelle. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I am super pumped to have you here. Thank you so much. I am equally as excited. Yay. Um, and we've been chatting for like an hour before this, talking about <laughs> um, all sorts of interesting things, human design, bad podcasting pitches, and some other stuff. So anyway, we've been chatting and we've been having fun. But I'm excited to have you on here. Um, I know your expertise is is very specific and very interesting. And you also have a podcast and doing like really cool stuff. So I am very, very excited. Uh, before we dive into that, can you just uh, introduce yourself and just say a little bit about like what you do and who you help? I am Michelle Sherrier. I'm recently, relatively recently married, and I have yet to change my name legally. So I'm either Michelle Craig, which it's everywhere, but I'm trying to use Michelle Sherrier. Um, I have a company called MC Design Collaboration, and um, I am a merchandiser and designer for wholesale gift showrooms and retailers where I set up and do their displays or do store openings and... um, kind of educate them on how to merchandise their store to increase sales. I love it so much. And then 
tell us what your podcast is. Cause I, I'm pretty obsessed with your podcast name, <laughs> <laughs> the retail whore, which is people either find it like, I love that name or people find it completely offensive, which Okay, then that you're not Whatever. Yeah. my person then. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I've been in retail for 40 plus years. So I, I've kind of equated it to like, I've done been around everything. The block. Yeah. yeah, I've been around the block. I've done everything. It's like, yeah. why not call it as it is? So I love it. Well, I remember, so I met, so just a little backstory. I met Michelle at the ultimate product party event that I pretty much have talked about on like most of my podcast episodes since I've gotten home in some amazing capacity. I know everywhere. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this happened at UPP and this person I met at UPP. And after UPP, I had this event. I feel like it like changed my mindset about a lot of different things, but, um, yeah, you came up to me after I did my, um, presentation and you were like, you have to be in my podcast. My podcast is called the retail whore. And I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Here's this weird lady coming up. No, to I no, but like, that's what I mean. Like your, your stuff either attracts or repels people. And like, for me, if that's someone's podcast name, like you are my people, you know what I mean? And you don't have to appeal to everyone. So it's a good no, I mean, I, it's funny. I belong to this group of retail master. It's like a mastermind group and they're all like, they're all guys and they're all tech, like, and I'm not tech. Mm. And so, you know, I, when we started, I'm like, Hey, I would love to have you guys in the podcast. I think all the retailers, because 90% really are legit retailers that listen to us. But I said, you know, I try, I try mix it up with both retailers and wholesalers as well as some tech things just to give retailers as much information as possible and make it entertaining and fun. Yeah. We're like, Oh, great. What's the name? And we're all on a zoom call. And it's like, what's the name? And I'm like the retail whore. And you can literally see some of the older guys' faces just like, I'm like, okay. Mike, I know the name's not for everybody. And if you don't want to, it's fine. And and you just people literally were physically turning away <laughs> on a oh Zoom call. Oh my God. That is so funny. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> that is really funny. Yeah, but it's it's a reminder for anyone listening that you have like, and I love people that show up authentically. Like if you have a podcast, if you do Instagram, or if you're on TikTok, like when you show up as your real self, you will attract the right people that want to buy your stuff. But when you're trying to like pretend to be someone else that you're not, that's when people can see through your inauthenticity and it's just better to show up as yourself and you will attract the people who love it. You know what I mean? Like for example, um, I'll just show you since you're here. So this was the coffee that I was drinking earlier and it says <laughs> I live, on, I run on coffee, chaos and cuss words. And I bought it from someone who also was at UPP. Um, her business F-bombs. is called, yeah, F-bombs and, um, booze. And I was like, that name for me is like, oh my God, I cannot wait to buy your product. Cause I love that name. She didn't She's choose. So yeah. Like she didn't choose some boring ass name in that. Cause if, if her name was like super boring, I probably wouldn't have even noticed it in the first place. So yeah, a rambling rant here, but showing up <laughs> as yourself and like attracting and repelling the right people, that's what you want to be doing. Like you don't have to appeal to everyone. Okay. So now that, now that that rant is over, um, so you have like super interesting story. I'm trying to think of like where I even want to like start this conversation. So how I'm just curious, like a little bit of your backstory. So you're a visual merchandiser. You have worked like in anthropology or you've done, I, I know that in your bio, it says like you've had stores and anthropology and other places. Um, just talk a little bit about that. Like, what is that? What is, how did you end up doing that stuff? I'm curious. So 
when uh, growing up, I was, we grew up in Manhattan beach and even uh-huh. it's not what it is now, but it still was, uh, you know, beach town that was like a little bit higher end. And my mom was one of the first divorced moms in California, in Manhattan beach. So like that was like seventies where, you know, divorce was not normal. And my mom got divorced. She, you know, raised us on her own, kept us in, in the house in Manhattan Beach as best as possible. And she was trying to keep us with keeping up with the Joneses, the OP shorts, you know, with the bikes, whatever. And she finally said to me, you can't sit on your ass in some, the beach anymore this summer. Like you need to get a job. And I was 14. And I was like, what? She's like, you can't right. sit on the beach anymore. Like you have to go get a job. So she drove me to the mall and <laughs> got a job. And I literally been in retail since I was 14. And I, I love it. I eat, sleep, drink it. And so fast forward, I had an opportunity to go to Japan and model and, um, you know, I don't know why my parents let me go because I was 16 and I was not even, I was a junior in high school and I went off to Japan with an interpreter and another girl. My dad went through a Japanese reading and speaking Jewish attorney who went through all of the paperwork and made sure it was legit. And when I came back, I'm like, I'm not going back to high school, please. I've been living in Japan, like making my own money. I don't need... So I never went back and I, I went and got a job and, um, was back in retail and I somehow made it to Fred Siegel. Well, I was, I guess I was 20. Um, I went in just to put an application in for the famous Fred Siegel once a year sale. It was only once a year then it was every Mm -hmm. September. And it was like literally everything in the store is 50% off and there would be a line around the block. So I put an application to go and, um, work as a salesperson as temp. And I ended up with the job and I moved through the ranks and the way Fred Siegel works is within that umbrella. It's been sold now, but prior it was within the roof of Fred Siegel. Each of those stores are owned and operated by like single people, like on their store, it has a Fred Siegel label to it. And he backs a lot of people. So a lot of people that came up through the ranks in Mm -hmm. Fred Siegel Santa Monica, Jennifer and Robin Co had Fred Siegel sentiments. My boss, Michael Campbell had Fred Siegel access. Fred will back you if he believes in you and you can see like you are a hustler and like you really have what it takes to have a store in Fred Siegel. He'll come Mm -hmm. to you and say, Hey, look, I I feel like that you, you, it's time you get a store and I'm going to back you. So I had three stores. I had three stores until the Northridge earthquake. And then I lost my three stores. <laughs> it was like, um, and it, you know, it was a great opportunity, but at 27, I had the building I was in was 13,000 square feet. I had 7,000 square feet of it at 27. Like it's wow. insane. And it was an amazing time. And I, Fred was my mentor and I had so many great experiences, so many bad experiences as well, but by wow. far and large, my experience with that whole situation, even losing my stores was what kind of propelled me to here. Okay. And then I went to Anthro after that and um, headed up. No, visual no big deal. <laughs> I love anthropology so much. So I'm like, oh I, it was such a great between Fred's and Anthro it was such a great education and basis mm-hmm. for what I do because Fred's it's all about the customer service and the aesthetic and Anthro customer service. Yes. But really the aesthetic and business and understanding that all the reports you go through every week and what you're looking at, that is what drives your sales versus like, Oh, it looks good. It's going to sell. It's like, it doesn't always work Mm. like that. 
So that's now when I left Anthro and started this company, that's what I take is my education from all the years in retail, majority of them, Fred Siegel and anthropology. Mm-hmm. I teach my retailers, you know, everything from the customer service to the floor traffic to merchandising to window displays to cross merchandising to create add-on sales, like everything that wow. I've learned. And that's all of what creates sales is all of it. Mm-hmm. So interesting. I feel like there's like so much to unpack. I feel like I'm just, <laughs> no, but what I'm curious about, and this is something that, um, something I, I feel like I think a lot about things to myself all the time, be, just from what I do for my business and having my e-commerce store and selling in all these different places. I feel like my brain is constantly looking at different things and like analyzing what are they doing? That's right. What's not working. What could they improve? Whether it's a retail store a drive-through at like a burger place. I like do this. I don't know if you do that too. I can't turn my brain off from analyzing any sort of physical product. Anyway, um so I've been thinking a lot. I've been thinking a lot just about retail and I I kind of want to know your opinions here, but just with like we talked about earlier with COVID it kind of like unfortunately took out some of the older school yep. retail shops where they maybe we're not willing to adapt to 2022 or 2020, I guess, like things are moving forward online. People are selling more online, but also like with social media, like you have to have modern things. You have to make it easy for people to buy from you and, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just curious, like, (laughs) I know we didn't talk about talking about this, but, um, like what is the future of retail? (laughs) I'm asking you like some huge question, but like, what is like the future of retail? Do you feel like in 10 years, it's only going to be like boutiques and like higher end stuff? Or do you think there is a way to keep people from buying in, in physical stores? Does that make sense? Um, Yeah. I mean, I think one, I think the dinosaur model of malls is gone. I mean, those enclosed spaces, like now you see so many malls that are opening everything up and it's all about creating community spaces and parks. So I don't, I don't think, and I say this all the time, I get on my soapbox about Amazon because I hear so many retailers, well, Amazon has it. And I had to price it at 2.0 instead of 2.5 or 3.0, because they're going to just look it up on their phone and buy on Amazon. I'm like, yeah, maybe some people will, to be honest though, you cannot replace the tactile experience of going in a store and opening a book and yeah. eating through or touching something or smelling a candle, the people that are going to walk out of your store and go, I'm going to order this now. It's on my Amazon account, right? When I walk out of your store, cause now I've smelt it, I, I, that those aren't the customers you want, but that, that percentage is so yeah. small, Yeah. but I don't, I, I don't think retail is going anywhere. And I, I don't think online, both on wholesale, because now there's companies like there's the shows that you go to, but there's platforms called flare fair and a couple others that you can purchase on a wholesale level that you don't have to go to the shows. And people are even like freaking about that. Like they're going to replace shows. Like, no, yeah. you'll need to smell it and touch it. And in, in the whole experience of being community and being in the show and talking to people and how are you and how's business? Like nothing's going to replace that. Like it still has room. There's still going to, is it going to take some business away? Yeah. But is it going to replace it? No. And it's, but I think now the way retail and and this is where I was saying that um, a lot, so much has changed, you know, in the, in saying like 
even before the pandemic, there's a whole generation, a lot of them my age, I'm 56. There's a whole generation of store owners mm-hmm. that don't, weren't comfortable going on camera. They're not, they don't have someone young working with them or they didn't believe in it or they had a website and it wasn't done. It wasn't ready. Um, but mostly no one ever grasped and, and went with social media. And when pandemic happened, the smart people and people are is it pivot fast were on live and they were like on Facebook live and they were Instagram live. I mean, they were like out there. It was, and the people that weren't comfortable, this certainly wasn't going to make them any com- more comfortable now. If not, it made it worse. And they literally, that whole generation, there's a whole lot that are gone now. Yeah. But now it's interesting. And the, the part that I love the most and at Magic, which is a big apparel show, to watch now this generation of buyers and, and store owners and, and e-commerce going live from a booth. Like standing, I, I forget what booth it was, but the girls were standing there and they're on live and they're like showing merchandise that they're buying. They've already figured out the retail price. Like, look at these jeans. looks amazing. Look at her. She's wearing it. This is the fit, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And people are ordering it live and they're turning around saying, we'll take 10 packs to that. I mean, it was wow. crazy. And it was so cool to awesome. see this new generation and new way of doing it because that would never happened up until like five years ago, even yeah. two years ago. That's so interesting. Yeah, I I hear you. I do think, and I've had many conversations with um, just, uh, I don't know, a lot of different people that have, they sell online, but they also do uh, wholesale and that like the wholesale is the bulk of their business. And so they are trying to sell their products into retail stores and like the retail stores just, I don't know, like there's a lot of funny stories. I'm sure you have um, a lot more than I am aware of, but um, it's just a, it's just interesting to hear about the this whole like in-person store things that are changing. And, um, I don't know. I just, I just think it's an interesting topic. And, um, but I do agree with you about the mall situation and like what malls used to be. And I'm just in the middle of watching stranger things. I'm not sure if you, if you've watched that, but I just watched the final last night. Oh my God. I'm so bummed. It's over. I mean, it's not, I don't know if it's over, but this I certainly just finished off the last season. It's oh, I so haven't good. watched it yet. I feel like I have one more episode left, but you know, like looking at like stranger things, I think it was, was it season one or two when they did the whole oh, thing? Yeah. And it's funny. Cause like when I was younger, when I was in high school, like that's where we hung out. We went to the mall after school and on the weekends and the mall was like the cool place to be. And I also watched that documentary on Netflix about, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name. I, I probably do have COVID brain. Um, <laughs> what's it called? American Eagle. No, not American Eagle. Um, oh, uh, Abercrombie Fitch. Yes. Abercrombie Fitch. Did you watch that? It was so good. Yeah, so I want to watch it. And I got to write that down. Oh my gosh. You have to, if you're like the retail queen, you have to watch that. It was really, really, I love, like, I love watching any of that type of stuff. It was so interesting, but yeah, like that was back in the nineties and even like maybe even early two thousands, like the mall was a place to be. And now all those stores that you would maybe buy stuff from like bed, bath and beyond and all that, like now you're going to like boutiques to buy like the, you know, 25, $30 candle, or I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to think how things have changed, but also this power of like, you have to adapt in your business and that's for any business. I mean, you have to be willing to adapt to what's working and 
who is going into retail stores now? Like who's going into the stores? Who are your customers? And like, how can you make it easier for them to one, find you, discover you? And then when they come into your store, have a really good experience, which I know is like, you know, obviously one of your areas of expertise, but like have a really good experience. So they buy your stuff. So it's a, it's an interesting thing. I like it down to the almighty sale. Yes. So I, I'm, I'm glad that I asked that. Cause I've been thinking about, I have like so many things I think about like Burger King versus McDonald's and like why McDonald's is superior. These are the things that keep you up at night. <laughs> they do. I'm, I'm literally going to record an episode about McDonald's versus Burger King and like why I, and it doesn't just because it's my opinion, doesn't mean it's true, but like why I believe McDonald's is superior. This is how weird I am, by the way, if you didn't already pick that up, um, <laughs> why McDonald's is superior, not, not because I personally like either of the foods, but just because of their upkeep, like they, they've pivoted to be more modern they changed their menu to include things like avocado and things that people care about. They make it easy for people to buy. Like they're just doing so many things, right. Where Burger King is kind of like, it's like in the historic dinosaur age. Like they just, I don't the think the commercials though are really good though. Or no, is it Burger King? Yeah. The, I don't know. I don't no, know. Jack parents. in the box. Jack oh yeah. Jack in the box. Their marketing is brilliant. They're, yes. The Paris Hilton thing. And yeah, they're good. Stoner like, snacker box. I mean, like, who does that? It's like, I just, yeah, I need to do a podcast episode. I have a lot of strong opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Um, okay. So back to, um, back to your story. I love like your background. I think it's super interesting. And, um, yeah, I just feel like there's so many interesting things. I'm curious too, cause I know we kind of talked about this in the, before we started talking, you were talking about like this whole following your gut and like sort of change, I think, and I don't know the whole backstory of this, but I would love to hear a little bit more but like kind of like your background and maybe you've pivoted in your business a little bit to do something that you feel really strongly about and how that has like propelled your business. Can we, can you kind of like talk a little bit about what that means? And yeah, I feel like this would be a good conversation because I know a lot of people listening, um, you know, they have an online store or they sell wholesale and they may be feeling like afraid to sort of try new things and it can be scary to try new things, but I think it's always good to hear reminders of, stepping into those things and looking at the good things that come from it anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't know when the epiphany happened, but I, mm-hmm. I realized that, you know, it's weird. Like your whole life, you grew up thinking your mom is old when she's 40. And it's like, now that I'm 56, it's like, fuck, I was way wrong. about that Cause now I am old, but it, it because I'm not tech savvy. I mean, I've, I've come, I'm, I'm not, I, it just, that's, it is what it is. I'm super creative. I, you know, can juggle a million things, but I'm not tech. And I think when I, on a whim decided, and I'm not kidding you total whim to start this podcast that, you know, I didn't, I didn't think through much like a lot of things I do. I didn't think through what it would take. It was just like, I'm going to start a podcast. And my husband for Christmas that you bought me this microphone. Here you go. Merry Christmas. So he's like the biggest supporter. I mean, he's amazing. Cute. But this, the microphone sat on my desk for like a year and it just mocked me like, and I never did anything about it. And when the pandemic happened, I started doing lives on Instagram and talk about getting out of your comfort zone. Like mm-hmm. I was kind of doing stories, but I certainly wasn't 
And I still have not gone live since I did that. Like, I don't know why I haven't, but we were doing interviews with retailers just to find out what are you doing? Like, how are you pivoting? Like, what, what do you need help with? Just, it gave people a platform. I mean, cause all of us were freaked out. I mean, obviously, and it, it, I only know retail, like the, I mean, I know it like the back of my hand. So to reach out to people, it's like, how are you doing? What are you doing? Like, wh- what are you comfortable with? Like, do, you know, like, and it, it made other people feel like they weren't by themselves. Yeah. So we fast forward, we're back in action we're back and working. And I was like, okay, we're starting the podcast. And I went out to one of my girls who used to work for me. And I asked her, if she knows anybody who edits. Cause I know I wasn't going to try and learn how to edit. Yeah. I got an editor and then I rallied my best friend, Elisa, who's now our digital marketing manager to help me. And she was like, sure, I'll help you with your little podcast, your little project. And she even <laughs> said, I seriously didn't even think it was going to be a real, a real job. She was, oh, no. she was, and, and, but it, it has forced me to, you know, I, and the, I'm the, it's the worst. Cause I was telling my customers, you're going to have to get really uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. You're going to get really comfortable with being uncomfortable because I'm going to make you do things and step out of your way out of your comfort zone because you human wise, you get stuck doing things the way you are used to. And it's like, but we've always done it like this. And this is what our customers like. And this is without even keeping an open mind to let's try something different and see if they like it and like it more maybe. And but that makes you very uncomfortable. And the older you get, the harder it is for you to get uncomfortable. And it, and it's the podcast for me was the beginning of getting uncomfortable. And, Aww. you know, it, it's even like I was telling you off, it's like offline. It's like, I, we decided we're, I'm going to start this, create an online platform that is going to teach retailers how to merchandise so you don't need to hire a Michelle and you don't need to hire a merchandising team. I'm literally going to teach you how to do it from the ground up wholesale showrooms and retailers. We're filming, we're filming everything from display, but again, Michelle decides she's doing this on a whim and doesn't really think all the way through. And I was like, Oh, we're going to launch in fall. And it's like, wow. Like I was on seriously crack because the amount of content you have to film and edit and upload and, and have the site built around, like, I'm yeah. like, this is not launching till fall 2023, <laughs> not this year. Yeah. So that's why I get uncomfortable, but it's, 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 it's really hard, but it's, I think as soon as when you start doing it and the more you do it, I think one, you're mm-hmm. super surprised. Like, oh my God, I did that. And then yeah. it starts to become kind of a rush of like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And, and you do it and you're like, oh my God, I did it. And it, it but it, it it really is imperative for your business, for you to keep, to keep an open mind and to be willing to change and try new things because you're going to stay stagnant and you're never going to move past where you are right now. What, when, how long have you had your podcast for? Um, Has it been like a year, July 7. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Isn't it the best? I was, I know we talked about this before, but like I Fridays is like my podcast day and I don't oh I don't record every Friday, but when I can sit down and chat with people and do my own episodes, like I, it's like, I feel like I'm in my element. I love it so much. And I love it so much more than I thought that I would. I knew that I wanted to do a podcast and all of a sudden one day I was like, 
Um, well, actually I was on someone's podcast when I had first launched my business to a little bit more than two years ago. And it was my first podcast episode. I was so nervous. She reached out to me. She downloaded one of my freebies about Pinterest marketing. And she was like, do you want to be my podcast? I was like, okay. I had no idea what I, I was so nervous. I was like literally like sweating. I had like an entire, I had like an Excel. This is so funny. I had like an Excel document with like, like scripts written out and like, what the hell, like what, what, why was I going to, I don't even know what I was thinking. Um, and then I was like, I kind of like when I was on our podcast, I remember telling her like, I you like, I kind of want to do a podcast, but that it seemed so far, like out of my reach at that time. And then it was like maybe eight months later. Um, this is like a really long story. I'm going to try to keep it short. I promise there's a point here, but like maybe eight, nine months later, I was in a mastermind group and the girl created a course. And it was like kind of one of those courses that just has like information on everything. And there was one of the lessons in there that said like a couple ways to start a podcast or something. So that was the first lesson I watched and I watched it. It was like 20 minutes long. And literally I reached out to that girl the same day. And I was like, um, I, I want to start a pot. I sent her an Instagram voice message. I think that was like one of my first Instagram voice messages too. And I was like, I want to start a podcast and I just watched your video. Like, how can you help me? And she, um, gave me like a free resource. And then she told me like, here's my services. And she had a group coaching program called record like a rock star. And it was just about to start. And I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm going to pay you. It's a little scary, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then my podcast launched like a few months later. And now it's been, so I launched it in November of 2020. So it'll be two years in November. And it's like, this podcast has been the most fun part of my business. It's my favorite thing that I do. It has like kind of changed my life in some ways. Like I'm, when I first launched it, I don't know about you, but like, I wasn't like super comfortable. I mean, I'm always comfortable talking, but not as not how I am now. Like, yeah. I'm very comfortable talking and it's helped me with like in other areas of my business too. But this is how I, this is like how people come to me. They're like, oh, I listened to your podcast and you're really weird. And like, I like it. Like I'm going to sign up for your course. Um, well, authentic. And that's one thing that I think yeah. that you listen to some podcasts and it's like not authentic at all. And it's very scripted. And oh, that's why I ditched scripts a long time ago. Like uh, not scripts, but I pre known like pre questions. Like I, cause I realized it felt super, it just didn't feel authentic and it, you didn't follow yeah. like a natural conversation. And that's why, um, and now people are like, can you pre send me the questions? I'm like, Oh, I don't do them. Like <laughs> ask you what you do. And then we're going to go from there. And that's yeah. pretty much. So PS, when we record yours in a few hours, <laughs> that's how it goes. No, I love it. I, I like in my podcast application, it does say like list out questions. And I, I think they're good for me just in case there is something that you write that I'm like, Oh yeah, I want to ask you that. But yeah, I am very much into like authentic podcasts. I don't, I, I used to watch, listen to very like ones that are very scripted and especially now that I have a podcast, it's like, you can tell when they're scripted and it's very, it's like uncomfortable for me to listen to and I can't listen to it. So, um, yeah, I don't like it at all. And I don't know what the point of this rant was. <laughs> oh, it was like, it was like starting something that was scary. Yeah. That's what I was, so I just wanted to share my little podcast story because when I first came up with the idea, and I think this is important for people to sort of think about, because I know a lot of listeners, they have ideas about things. Like I want to create my own, um, maybe someone who is doing 
drop shipping and they're like, well, I want to, um, like I'm thinking of someone in particular right now. Um, she wants to create her own line of incense and essential oils or something, something along those lines. But she's like, I think a little held back from doing it. So it's like, we all are afraid to do things, but if you don't try and you don't make it happen, like you have no idea what that one thing will do for your entire life. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Like, yeah. No, unless you're investing shit tons of money on equipment and yeah. something like that. And, you know, you try it and it doesn't work and no, it's like, and yeah. you know, I guess even with that worst case scenarios, you sell it. Like, but you yeah. honestly, like if Fred Siegel used to say, you know, you have to constantly push yourself to evolve because if not, you are going to look the same that you did last year. You are going to become obsolete. You're going to be like, you, you, you have to move forward. Also for retailers, like if we don't push the envelope and continue to change, not only what their floor looks like, but their windows and their merchandise, you have the same customer coming in and out of your store every day. If you don't change things, your customer will literally, you, you can walk by the store, see, go look in the door. Oh, it looks the same. They'll walk on. They're not going to go back in because it doesn't look any different. Like what's the yeah. point? She was just there last week. So change in every sense, of, and especially like, you know, with something like that, it's like you have to do it and you, I mean, you don't have to, but you certainly yeah. don't be surprised when, you know, after a while people stop coming in because it hasn't, there's nothing to keep them coming in for. Yeah. No, I totally hear you. And I'm just curious, just because now that I'm like, now, now that we're talking, I'm kind of thinking of all the shops that I go to in my town in Washington that I live in. And the ones that I go in, you're right. Like they, they really do change things and they swap out products and they have like something interesting. And like one store in particular, I live in Gig Harbor, Washington. So it's a town um, outside of Seattle. And there's like kind of a new store that came in and it's like, it's so visually beautiful mm. every month or so. I think in front of their store, they put some sort of like display outside and I kind of never thought of why they did that before. And it kind of makes sense now, but I think they're obviously doing it to like attract people and get them to want to come in. Cause they're like, Ooh, what is that thing? Yep. Like I'm curious. Yeah. And actually now that I'm thinking of it, I remember when they opened the person who, who launched this um, store she used to have a something with like party planning, but I want to say she used to have to go to all those like wholesale type events and stuff. So she's probably used to like the good displays and, um, and that kind of stuff. Anyway, I feel like I'm totally rambling today. Um, yeah, but like when it comes to stores and stuff, and I'm kind of now curious about your visual merchandising, how, what are some of the things that people do to like get, give their store like a little spruceness or like, get people to want to kind of come back in or give them like a refresh. Well, it starts always with windows. So your windows should be changing like every other month. Um, you don't have to do oh. big, big installations like anthropology style where, you know, months of labor go in to create these like handmade elements, but at least once a month change out because your mannequins are always going to change. If you have, if you have clothing, your mannequins are obviously going to change. So you have to change their clothes anyway, but you really want to show, have a constant rotation of what you offer. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, my biggest peeve is, and, and this is like what a lot of people do, instead of changing it consistently, they just, let's just put everything in the window, like everything, like if this is new, just add it to the window. And it's like, it becomes a garage sale. And now your old shit is choking out all your new stuff because 
your new, your old shit's still in there. It's like, and you don't even see the new stuff, but you really, you don't have to do big scale things, but just, you know, change it out once a month. And then you, you, from when you start at your floor, you have what's called the opening statement. And it's like your big, like either a tabletop or an apparel display or something that that sets the tone for when you walk in the store and anthropology always has an opening statement. You walk in and it's like, it's spring, there's a big garden thing. And that's always the big aha moment. And that's when you're standing at the door and you're peering in, it's like, I don't know if I'm going to go in or not. It's like, that's what brings them in. Mm-hmm. And that needs to change. You know, that's usually a bigger scale display, but if it's just product that should change every month as well. I mean, ideally your inventory is selling down and you need to change it because you've sold out of what you had there before. Yeah. Uh, and then it's just, you know, for stores I work at, there's a store up north um, called Masane that I fly in, I want to say four or five times a year. Hmm. And it will change everything. We'll flip whole entire sections and then we retoss the merchandise. So I don't always show the same merchandise always with the same other products. Like ideally you want to make it look new. So we'll take stuff that was in this display and we'll mix it with stuff in that display and create a whole new look. And all of a sudden older merchandise looks brand new. Yeah. You want to keep what I always say, tossing the salad. You want to keep refreshing. You want to keep it fresh because again, like most retailers have a very regular customer, unless you're like in rock center where you've got an influx of tourists that are coming in and you don't really have a lot of regular traffic, but most boutique retailers have the same customer that is loyal to them that comes in once a week. She wants to do something new for herself. It's like you want it her to always see something new without having to go hunt it down because you've just merchandised it back into a display that's been there for a while. Yeah. How do you like what is I'm just curious, like what is your process of when you are maybe going to like a new store or even an existing store that you work with? Like how do you, cause I'm super, like, I'm very creative, but I'm not good with like what you're talking about. Like I could, I don't think I could ever mm-hmm. in a good way, if I had a store, like put things together. Um, and it's, it runs into like my whole thing. I'm really bad with like home decor. I couldn't tell, I, I can't figure out what to, where to put what, what color should go when it comes to like someone's website, I can tell you, here's how you should build it. Here are the colors. Like I am good at that, but I can't do. Okay. Yeah. It's, like it's, I'm missing a skill set. but like, yeah, what's your process? I'm so curious. Cause I think really good store to plays store displays. It is such an art. Like it is a proper art and skill set that I do not have. So I'm just curious what, how you do it. Well, it's, it's also not only the display and merchandising, it's also the traffic flow. So one thing Anther is really good about that mm. I'm really like drill down on my retailers is when you set your floor, okay, you, you are physically forcing where you want your customers to go. Mm-hmm. So okay. I, I will, we'll set a floor and we'll step back and we'll watch actually people coming and going and navigating through the store. And it's like, I can see like, you know, that table's not getting shopped at because there's something in front of it. Like I had this discussion with my stores last week. It's like, we moved an entire personal care section over. We have a focus table in front that changes out the new stuff. And as soon as we moved it over there, it stopped selling. And I'm standing there and I'm looking at it. And it's like, I'm realizing the focus table is actually becoming a blockade. So people feel weird about stepping behind it, like almost like it's a counter. And it's like, am I allowed to be back here? 
So the, the sales completely dropped off. So we're wow. doing that next week, but I'll, my process is like, if I haven't worked with you, I'll come in, I'll ask like, what, what are you looking for? And I'll kind of walk the floor and look out. I'll ask questions like, how long has this been here? You know, mm-hmm. is, is this the way the floor has always been set? When was the last time you're, and then I get really honest. And then that's where it's like, you either, you're either on board or you're like, F you lady, get out. But I'm like, I am insanely honest. And because I used to not be, I used to be the, I'm super people pleaser person. Mm-hmm. And so you never want to, I never want to like make anybody mad. And I always want to you know, do, I want, you know, your whole job is like, look at me, look at me, like, look how pretty I made it. Like, because yeah. I get equally excited. But I realized that when I'd come on to people and they're like, I'd suggest something like, well, you know, we really, we've been doing like this a lot and people really love it here. And I'd be like, oh, okay. You know, if you, and then now I'm like, you know what? No. Cause if you've always done it that way and you're calling me for a reason, yeah, it's not working. Like, that is not working. Like in, yeah. I now it's like, I'll tell people. And like I said, you're going to have to get really comfortable being uncomfortable because I'm going to, I'm going to do things that you are are really, you've been doing for a long time and I'm going to be changing those. And it's because it's not working. And like one of the stories I have is with my really good friend, Ashlyn, who has, who's my client. She has a store that she um, bought from an older lady and she came up to the ranks with her. She had a space in her store that she um, put consignment stuff in. And this lady kind of trained her on retail. And so Ash took on like her old grandma ways of merchandising, like Lots of, I'm all about fake flowers, but these are like bad fake flowers. Like she was all about the plastic risers, which I won't let any of my retailers use. Wait, what is that? Plastic risers? What is that? They're like little stands that make things stand up higher. And if you go into stores, keep your eye out for them. Cause I know you'll know them when you see them, they're acrylic, they're acrylic risers. And they're so when you do display one's just up higher than the other, and then you could still put something in front of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So, and she liked little pieces of mirrors on tables because it reflected stuff. And I literally took all that shit out. And she was like, but, but we let, I love my little mirrors. And like, I, I use those risers. I'm like, we're not gonna, we're not using them anymore. Like we're going (laughs) to use other things for risers. Like I, I, you need the riser, but we're going to use something else. And I take them off the floor and I come back the next time and she have them all back. And I take them off the floor. It was like a little game. And now we, I've been with her for eight years, but you know, now she doesn't, all the plastic risers have been thrown away, but it's, (laughs) I really kind of look at the whole picture And then, you know, I look at their floor traffic. I look at, you know, their sales, what's driving there because a lot of retailers don't look at their reports. They don't even have reports. And, you know, so, Hey, what's driving your business? Oh, this sells good. This sells good. But what's driving your business? Like what, what is the media? What's your numbers? Oh, I don't have a report. I just, I know what sells. It's like, trust me. I I I know everyone thinks they know what sells, but honestly, once you start really pulling the numbers, it's really surprising because guaranteed, you know, you didn't realize something sold out and, you know, that's what's been driving your business and you didn't pay attention to it. And now you've been, it hasn't been on your floor for two weeks. So now you've lost sales. Hmm. So I kind of look at the whole picture and then we start, you know, we break it down in bite-sized pieces on how we're going to fix what, and it's always 
there's been very few times where they haven't seen a return on it right away because people walk in like, oh my God, it's like, it looks like a brand new store. And that's exactly what you want. Wow. I feel like I have a lot of questions. One, I'm just curious, have you ever, this is maybe be too personal, but have you ever made someone so upset? Like they cried from your feedback at a store? Um, <laughs> I think I have. I'm only asking because I'm also super honest and I'm very blunt with my clients or students. And I, I literally, like if I do a website audit for you, I have to preface the whole thing by saying I am brutally honest and none of this is going to offend you. Don't take it personally, but I'm honest because I want to help you. So yeah, keep that in mind as I go forward, because I have actually made someone cry once and I, like, <laughs> I, but it taught me like, okay, you have to also make people aware that you're very honest and like, none of this is meant to offend them. But I know people with a website or a business, it's like, it's so personal to them. It's like, you're insulting them. And I can imagine a store is the exact same level of like, this is like my little baby and you're insulting it. Well, I think Honestly, because by that point you've called me. So by that yeah, point, yeah. you you clearly know there you, you either yeah. want your store to look like something you saw, like you know, anthropology, or you were at a showroom I worked at and you asked who yeah. did the display. And so you already kind of know. Um, I don't think I've made someone cry, but I've I certainly they've have been like, I'm not gonna be here, I'm just gonna let you do your thing because I'm gonna because they they do try and kind of micromanage it. Well, what, what are you, what are you moving? It's like, yeah. When they say I'm, I'm going to just get, give you the keys and the code and you go in and which is actually like the dream situation because they walk in and it's literally, they are seeing a brand new store. Like they never would have anticipated seeing, and they haven't been able to achieve on their own. Yeah. But I don't, I don't so think I've made not. someone cry, but I, I know I've made them uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's hard because you're just trying, like, you just want to help them. And I'm the same way. Like, I just want to help you, but I, and I never mean to offend anyone. And I never want someone to think like, God, she's a, she's a freaking asshole, but I am honest. And if I'm not honest, I think I'm not doing you, I'm doing you a disservice, you know? Exactly. So. That's like you actually, you are not doing them any favors by, by mm-hmm. not giving you're basically being a people pleaser and like, sure, yeah. we can do that. It's like, yeah, it's doing anybody any favors. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, but it, I can imagine it can be hard for people like, no, I love my little planter or whatever you call them planters. What are like, this is so interesting. I love this conversation. Um, cause I'm like literally in my head thinking about all the stores I go into and now I'm like, okay, now I'm going to pay attention to like the flow of like where I'm moving and why I'm going to this yeah. table. And I'm going to be a lot more aware now. I already am pretty aware of like, pro- like, stores and, and just things they could maybe do better. But I don't, I never thought of like the flow of traffic. Oh, grocery stores are the best. The grocery stores really have it down. I mean, theirs is really based on science. It's crazy. So interesting. I love this so much. What are like, and do you mostly work with like, I know that you do a lot of like, like gift things, but like, is it like clothing boutiques or is it more just like boutiques where they sell like clothes, accessories, like handbags kind of thing, or do you work with like bigger retailer stores? Um, uh, you know, the biggest one I work for is a grocery store, but we just do their holiday decor. I don't, I was doing a little bit of merchandising for them, but grocery stores are funny. They've had the same 
people working in them for talk about a group of people that do not want to change and <laughs> are really on. So I pissed off like three of the managers of one of their stores when we were merchandising because it just was so out of their scope of what they're used to doing. And it, it got, it, it got so problematic, problematic for the person that hired me. That was like, okay, let's just keep it to Christmas decor. But my uh, retailers right. are all small, um, independent. Some like I work for a pharmacy and we have five locations. Oh, um, wow. And they gift showrooms. I mean, pharmacies, okay. I'm telling you, are like the hidden gem, like for, you're, no way. you're dealing with a captive audience. And when I tell you this, it's really going to blow your mind. Apparel is my number one department in my pharmacy. Apparel. What? Apparel? In a yeah. pharmacy? Well, I, I merchandise. I merchandise like I merchandise in anthropology. So we cross merchandise gift and home and apparel. So mm-hmm. we'll create this concept. So right now we have a concept that's, um, we're calling it wine country and it's all this apparel, these really beautiful tonal patterns. And, um, it's everything like easy sundresses, like nothing's over $50 and nothing requires a fitting room. So it's like, those are the two magic things. Like, and it's instant gratification. Like I'm waiting for my, my meds. This is the cutest dress. It's $35. Okay. I'm going to take it. Who cares if I can't try it on, but this concept, it's all like, food things and great plates and really cute dish towels. And it's all cross merchandise in the same area. And, and it's a pharmacy. Wow. That is so interesting. Oh my God. I love it so much. Like what kind of farm, is this like just independent pharmacies or is this like, a, and I don't know if you can say this, but like a CVS, I'm just thinking no. of like a CVS. It, it's not, but if you look at even the, the footprint for CVS and how they're changing, it's like, they're still they're merchandising on gondolas, which are those long aisle fixtures. But if you start looking at like they're some of their Christmas stuff and some of their gift stuff that they're starting to bring into those pharmacies are not bad. I mean, it's a cheaper version, but this is a private pharmacy. It's um, okay. We've got five locations. Each location is a little bit different. The product changes based on demographics. One of our stores is in a really high end area, so we can carry better things than we carry at some of the lower. But it's, it's all, I mean, it's, you're dealing with a captive audience that's waiting 15, 20 minutes for their meds and they're just going to kill time and wander around. It's like, and now we're known for gifts and, and the weirdest thing is now we're known for apparel. So the girls will call their clients and say, Hey, brand new apparel just got here spring, just, you know, blah, blah. And it's crazy to see the numbers jump when we dump in all the new season stuff because people have been waiting for it. It's crazy. Wow. That is so interesting. (laughs) It's such cute clothes. I mean, like I'm buying like stuff I would wear. So it's, I mean, it's really cute stuff. Wow. That is so funny. I just, (laughs) oh my gosh, I love it. I never thought of this stuff before. Hmm. Cause it makes sense. Like you're, I think this, the thing with the store is like, you're getting people in, but you can't control how how long they're staying there. Kind of like on your website, you're driving people to your website, but like if your crap is all over the place and doesn't make sense, people will leave and same with the store. But if you're getting people in who have to, they're waiting to pick up something that makes so much sense now. I love it. I'm going to notice this now when I go in and actually, so I went to a pharmacy store. I went to India in April and me and my son went to this, like we had to go into Seattle, like a specific store in Seattle that gave travel vaccines. 
And in their store, they had like, actually, not, this makes so much sense now. They probably worked with you. They had this whole section near where you were waiting to get your shots of really beautiful like travel books. And then next to it, they had things like um, like scarves that are mosquito repellent and yeah. like little bags. But it was, I was actually surprised at how cute the stuff was. Yeah. It's, so. I mean, it's very intentional, especially if you're getting, if this is one of the only pharmacies that gives shots for international yeah. travel, yeah. they're going to have things that you're going to need on your trip. You're going international. Like, yep. here you go. Like they, it's, had, they had so much stuff, but it was, you're, you're, yeah, it's, it, I never thought of it before though, but they had like, and they, the guy actually brought me over. He's like, Oh, we, well, this is so funny. I'm like dying now. Um, <laughs> I love, I love when I'm being sold to, to be honest, it actually makes me really happy. I'm like, thank you. Like, I'm glad that you're happy selling your stuff, but he was like, Oh, over here while you're waiting, we have this beautiful aisle of, um, you know, bags and scarves and like things for your trip. And he literally like walked me and my son over and brought me to like the apparel section. So this is like suggestion selling and excellent customer service. Those are also two customer service is like that. And in you going back to the question of like, where's retail going? Like, yeah, you have really good customer service Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Customers are not going to go try and buy it somewhere else. They're in it for the experience. And it's like a good experience is going to outweigh, you know, the instant gratification you have from Amazon any day. I love it so much. Um, I'm just dying because I'm just thinking about all these like stores that where they have very specific things and I love it. Um, and I also think everything you're saying about retail can translates to in because a lot of people listening have, um, you know, they have their own website and stuff um, translates to your website, like the way that you place products collections on your website is exactly the same as in a store you're driving people except not foot traffic, but you're navigating people with um, where people click on your website, which is obviously, um, like one of the most important things you're still guiding people through like the journey. So, and the visual aspect of it is incredibly important. Like the people that just create like shop Shopify, they don't love it. They don't put the visual effort because people are, sorry, if you can hear my dogs, um, people are instant gratification. So people and people buy visually like it's like that looks so amazing I where you follow you keep following through the website but those those shots and websites to get you the customer point are so incredibly important it's equally as important as your opening statement as a realtor or your window display yeah I agree I mean I talk a lot about website stuff. And I personally am someone who I am obsessed with like going through people's websites and I give, I do a lot of audits for my uh, students in my course and going through someone's website for like half an hour is like literally one of my favorite things in the whole world to do. I'm like a total nerd clearly. Um, (laughs) No, no, I only, I only analyze product websites. So unless you sell physical product, I won't, I won't even like, I don't even think about that. But if it's like a product website, um, I love going through because it's so many things that you don't like exactly the stuff that you're talking about today. You drive people into your store, you sort of lead them to where you want them to go. You have like upsells and cross sells. And if you like a candle, well, you'll also like this other thing with it. Like you'll also love our expensive matches that go with it. Like, yeah, it's cross merchandising for add-on sales. That's exactly what. That's, and that, and that's, you know, for, for merchandising, that is key. It's like, 
exactly what you said, Matt, putting matches with candles, candle dishes with candles, soap dishes with soap, like pens and cards. I mean, all of it is, you know, hand in hand sales. Yeah. I love it. Oh, it's so interesting. This was such a, I've never had someone on here who focuses on retail stores, but I think so much of what you talk about is completely translatable to a website, but also just interesting to think about like all the times that you're in a store and you're going to start. I know I'm going to start noticing now, maybe some of the mistakes that people are making in stores and um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited and I'm excited to notice those acrylic. (laughs) So like, what do you, what do you, how do you have people that I'm sorry, this is not coming out right. How do you have like, let people showcase products like that without using those acrylic things? So I, you know, risers can be anything from, you know, so for anthropology, we had a kitchen section and, you know, to get that, cause you want different heights on your table. So to mm-hmm. get that height, we take canned goods and take the label off. And that was our riser for oh. some jewelry stores or some stores that I work in. We use anything from old books and if the book covers are horrible, oh. we'll take the covers off. If even the hard covers are horrible, we'll take the hard covers off and just use the, the book, you know, stack out without the hardcover and stack them up pavers from garden stores. Um, it's you name it old crates. I mean, you want that height, but you also want whatever you're using for your riser to help tell the story of whatever you're showing. And those plastic risers do the trick, but they're hideous (laughs) They're I mean, like that is like, I will, like half my interviews, I've talked about the plastic risers. <laughs> now they it. have to go. I love it. I'm literally after we end this conversation. I hope you know the first thing I'm going to Google is. I hope plastic, you should plastic risers. Plexiglass, I plexiglass risers. Plexiglass. Okay. <laughs> and I think I know what they are, but I need to see what it looks like. And then I'm going to note now when I go into a store and I see it, I'm going to take a screenshot and send it to you on Instagram. So please do. <laughs> I hope you get ready get ready for those. Um, but yeah, this was super fun. Thank you so much for being on here. Tell everyone where they can find you, listen to your podcast. And then also like if anyone listening has a store or they know of someone who needs help redecorating their horrible decorated store, (laughs) um, how can you help people? Uh, our Instagram is MC design collaboration. Uh, the website's mcdesigncollaboration.com. Um, I'm on stories a lot on Instagram. So you're able to see what we're doing in stores of the moment. Um, our podcast is the retail whore podcast. Um, you can listen to it on all platforms, or you can log on to the retail and you can click and listen to it there. And what are your services too? merchandising design and, um, I guess merchandising and design <laughs> and that's for in-store and for like, if you, if someone wants to do an, uh, retailers, like we set up, like if you have a lot of people who do wholesale, we set up trade shows, we help design okay. your booth. Like a lot of people that have, um, online platforms that will try out doing a, a temporary show at the gift shows. We've helped design temporary spaces, um, showrooms. We do showroom design, um, okay retailers, same thing, but it's, it's both on wholesale and, and retail. That's so awesome. I feel like I have someone in mind that I want to like refer to you. Cause I think they may need some help. Yeah. I mean, we even do, I even do because a lot of people don't have the budget to have, have us fly in and do it. So I I've started doing zoom calls with people and, you know, like 
you're kind of consulting them from afar, which is challenging because it means they have to go resource it, but it takes away us flying out hotel, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love it. This was amazing. Thank you so much for being on here. I appreciate uh, your time. I know we've been talking for a long time, so I'm very appreciative. (laughs) Thank you. It was so much fun. Yeah, it was fun. And I'm going to be in your podcast in a little bit. So we're going to just keep keep the party going today. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. Oh my gosh. So much fun chatting with Michelle. We chatted for a while before the podcast episode, after the podcast episode. Um, We definitely have a lot of kind of overlapping things in common. So as I said, I love having other people that just are within this education space within the, you know, e-commerce product business world. It's just super, super fun. And she has a lot of cool things coming out. And I'm also going to be in her podcast, which is the Retail Whore Podcast. And again, like, another podcast that you can listen to for um, more tips and information. And what I really like about kind of the other people within this education space is like we all have different things to offer. So even if we both were talking about the same thing, I'm going to have a different perspective than she is and she's going to have a different one than I am. So I really like those conversations. They're so organic and just natural and I just love it so much. So anyway, be sure to follow Michelle on all of her social channels. I've linked them below. We have Instagram, TikTok, her website and check out her podcast. Um, Super, super fun. And if you have a moment, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It means so much to me. And I love just in general hearing what you like about the podcast, what you're learning and how it has helped you. All right, guys, I will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you love this episode, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and then take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. Tag me in it at Carrie A. Fitzgerald. My name is in the show notes. Thank you so much and I'll see you guys next week.